0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of ST Talks. I'm Laura Demmer, your host, and today I'm here with Dr. Neville Spear, a beef industry consultant. And today he is with us to discuss beef demand and how beef on dairy animals fit into this equation. But first, before we get started, I just wanna thank you for being with us today, Neville.
1: Thank you, Laura, it's my pleasure. Appreciate the opportunity to visit with you.
0: So to start off, can you describe the average consumer of today and what are some of the preferences they are asking for when it comes specifically to beef?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, it's a hard question to answer, right? I, <laughs> because there there really is no average consumer. Right? I think sometimes we're, we're we're guilty of that of wanting to put consumers all into uh, one bucket. And and you know we I, I think it's a really important question because we need to recognize that there's always lots of different priorities or, or you know, uh, when we go to the grocery store, even when we're eating out, those things are very different, right? And we kind of have this portfolio. Um, but nevertheless, I think um, obviously there's some, some bottom line kinds of things and consumers clearly are very worried about price. Mm-hmm right? And, and it's price per pound and then price per package. And I'm sure we can talk about that in a little bit more detail. And then things like food safety and what have you, and, and then the healthfulness of the product. And then, you know, we can kind of tack on probably some attribute kinds of things that often become concerning and those all become kind of in a mix. But I think the one thing that consumers look for that differentiates beef versus uh, pork or poultry is is quality and beef quality mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of right as we talk about marbling or quality grade or what have you and that's especially true then when we get to food service and the restaurant side it's a little different equation because of that and um, so it's important that we keep that in mind as we especially as we're talking about beef on dairy here right yeah.
0: So you just kind of mentioned it, but are you seeing price being a big factor in consumers' beef buying choices?
1: It's always amazing to me, Laura. You know, we have had these conversations about price ever since 2014, and we keep talking about kind of price resistance from consumers. And yet the beef industry has just it's been incredible how much pricing power we've had. Clearly, at some point, you know, we get up against a ceiling, mm-hmm. but consumers really have kind of kept digging into beef. And and I think a lot of that really is due to the fact that the beef industry as a rule has improved the quality and consistency of the product over time. There's no doubt, though, that we're probably seeing some shifting going around. Um, and, and it's also important, right, to recognize that, like, especially at the retail side, whole muscle cuts don't really compete with pork or poultry. It's really more on the ground beef side that we kind of see that competition. I think what you're you're starting to see, though, of some consumers, especially, let's say, a year ago in the last six months, in terms of inflation, you begin to see kind of cross-category shifting. In other words, Mm -hmm. we might buy less meat less animal protein and shift over to maybe some other kind, or we, we buy more peanut butter instead of bacon, something like that. Yeah. Um, but in, as a rule, the product has continued to move pretty well at pretty high prices and it's really been pretty amazing. Yeah.
0: So would you say that the quality of meat is what sways the consumers buying decisions the most right now?
1: I think there's no question when it comes to beef, right, that um, it it, and, you know, we've worked so hard as an industry for the last 25 years to improve the quality of the product. And, And people have recognized that beef is a very high quality, consistent product, and they really like it. And the dividends of all of that work really have paid off, especially here as we went through the pandemic Uh, And then as we kind of fight through an inflationary period and, you know, favorably, luckily, that's starting to wane some. So maybe consumers then start to feel like they have even more purchasing power. But beef has held right in there. And that's true, not only domestically, but also internationally.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Last year was a record year in terms of beef exports. And so. to me, it's a really, really exciting time to be in the business. And it's very different than the challenges we fought 25 years ago when we were having trouble getting consumers to buy beef.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The growth has been incredible. Yeah. So why do you think it's important for farmers putting animals, um, you know, into the beef supply chain to know that this is what consumers are wanting?
1: Yeah. I I think that's, that's a fantastic question because I I, am, Sometimes when I go out and, and do talks, I I always want to remind producers, you're not in the cattle business, and you're you're in the beef business, but really you're in the consumer business. Yeah, right. And and so everything that you do, I mean, none of none of these animals ultimately have any value unless we have consumers at the other side of this wanting to buy the the products that are derived from those animals, and and so it's very important that we tend to that we work hard to keep our focus on the end consumer because ultimately every dollar that comes into our business comes from consumer spending and it's it's easy to forget that it's easy to kind of get lost in that and right it's a winter day and you're outside and it's cold and you're it, it seems very separate from anything that a consumer is worried about but ultimately all of that work as an industry translates into an an end product that is, should translate into a consumer dollar.
0: Yeah, that was a very good
1: way to put that. Yeah.
0: So how, how does this create an opportunity for dairy producers, you know, creating crossbred calves to go into the supply chain?
1: Yeah. So what's interesting, Laura, is, you, you know, the last time we really went through kind of a downturn in, in the native cow herd, we still were dealing with straight Holsteins primarily or, and or Jersey calves, right? And and um, right. in general, those were kind of afterthoughts, right? You, you know, ultimately you breed a dairy cow to produce milk and then unfortunately we have to have these male offspring and then we just kind of do something with them and they're kind of an afterthought but since then we've figured out gosh if we can create a, a beef cross animal boy, those animals one they're they have a high propensity to marble so they produce a very high quality product uh secondly they're a very consistent supply as a rule, right? The, the cow base on the dairy side is, is highly consistent. Um, And and that doesn't mean we don't need to do some work there, but as a rule, Mm -hmm. and you don't have any kind of seasonal ups and downs. There's a, there's a supply of calves that are readily available throughout the year to kind of level out flow, um, which always gets kind of a concern, um, around native cattle. And so it's a, it's a very different dynamic this time around. And I I think it's really exciting, Laura, because what I see is I hear a lot of people understanding while we still have work to do, understanding the potential value creation that can happen within these supply chains.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you kind of started talking about some of the points, I think, but Uh, why do you think, um, you know, these beef on dairy calves bring, you know, have value in this market?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's clearly they outperform. Let's, let's just say for example, a straight Holstein. They're, they're going to, they're going to perform much better. They're going to create heavier carcass weights. They're going to have higher dressing percentage. They do have a propensity to marble Um, we can, we can get them in large numbers too, right? There's critical mass. It's pretty easy to put together a large number, uh, that, that can make a difference in a feed yard or what have you, or even in some kind of supply chain where you're even further focused down, like for a retailer or something. Um, they have more muscle and, and, um, you know, so you start putting all of that, those things together. And again, let's not. Forget the consistency part. Mm-hmm. That's really where we create a lot of value difference versus where we were nine or 10 years ago.
0: Definitely. And I think, um, in your opinion, too, do you think that the ability to have traceability with these uh, crossbred calves is something also that adds value to them when it comes to a consumer perspective?
1: yeah laura it's that's such a great point of yes there because of traceability that it's so much easier then to inherently start with an animal that's traceable trackable digital verification Mm -hmm. all the way through the supply chain from the moment it leaves the dairy all the way to the packing plant um and and ultimately it's I would say it's not just traceability, but it adds on the ability to do data verification and ultimately track and create feedback within the system and have continuous improvement. And um, such an important part of all of this, right? So data, ultimately, as we've kind of build these supply chains, is going to be self-perpetuating And they should be able to do kind of a continuous improvement loop all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, just coming back to the dairy producer, what, in your opinion, would be like your advice? Or how would you tell a dairy producer um, to create the most valuable calf for the supply chain? What what would be your advice to them? Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, number one, I would say be sure those calves get colostrum. No matter what, it is a non-negotiable, right? And and it's it's not only creating value. I think it's really an important component of the animal welfare aspect to all of this, right? Um, And and then to go along with that, ultimately would be also that they they need to get their navels dipped, right? Okay, so those are those are two very very key management components, just right off the top, okay, that create value and make a huge difference throughout the entire supply chain. Um, But then also it's very important. How how are you breeding your cows? Um, You want to ensure that you use the right genetics. And I think that's part of the challenge that we've been dealing with in beef on dairy is, gosh, you know, at first, a lot of these were much like straight Holsteins or straight jerseys. They were afterthoughts. Let's just clean up the semen tank. We're going to make a black calf that, probably wasn't much better than a straight bred dairy animal. And, um, you know, we we need to get away from that. And and um, I, I would certainly argue that there's enough value creation throughout all of this that it's worth putting in better genetics, better semen, even if that costs a few extra dollars um, to make sure that you are raising a, a A genetic (laughs) superior, genetically superior animal versus just a a black dairy cross calf.
0: Right. And I think that that is, um, you know, I think that producers and then they hear from the feeders, the packers, um, that's what they're asking for now, too. Um, Yeah. And they just fit into the supply chain so much better and meet that consumer need.
1: Yeah. You, and, and Laura, I, I would say one other thing in, in terms of your question, what would I encourage a dairy producer to do? Um, let's, let's just put the cattle aside. Mm-hmm. I would say to any dairy producer, and, and look, I understand how challenging it is to manage your own business day in, day out, but to really spend some time trying to understand what goes on in the beef industry. And and I would say that also. Then on the other side of that, the beef industry understand needs to understand better kind of what goes on in the dairy industry, right? Mm-hmm. You know, too often we've kind of operated as two separate entities. But to me, beef cross animals now we we all have common interests, and we we need to understand sort of the challenges and the needs of each side of that, um, but really important to understand. You, you've you got a very valuable animal now in this day-old calf that's going to create value all the way down into a carcass. And and um, you need to understand kind of where are all the pitfalls that possibly could happen and why that's important, not only for you individually, but you collectively as a dairy industry.
0: Yes. I think that that is a very valuable point, And thank you for making that. And just I guess to switch gears slightly over to the supply chain, the beef supply chain right now is receiving a lot of demand. Are there any changes that um, this sector of the industry is making to meet the demand?
1: Well, I I think you certainly see a lot of uh, activity, whether it's formal or informal, and whether it's really come together quite yet, but a lot more activity to coordinate the supply chain versus just sort of operating haphazardly. Uh, you know, it's the packer, well, it's it starts with the retailer back to the packer or even food service back to the packer, to the feed yard. Everyone wants to get alignment and to ensure that we get the right animals to the right place at the right time and working with the right partners. You know, it's, it's so much as much, again, let's go back. You know, it's about the cattle, but it's also about the people Mm -hmm. and ultimately people do business with people they like and can work with. And, and, and so you're, you, you're seeing more and more discussion around alignment of people to create supply chains and, and, you know, I don't know where this will go, but I think there's quite a bit of activity around that. And and probably is that's as active around beef on dairy, beef cross animals as any, because it you can do it pretty easily.
0: Right. I mean, that kind of just rolls into my last question that I have prepared for today. But um, and this might even reflect back on your what you said about communication between the two industries and understanding the industries better. But how can. Dairy producers help the supply chain with this demand as well.
1: Yeah, I, that's a that's a great question, Laura. Because in in my working in this space, um, it it that's probably the biggest hole that I think we have yet is that there's not enough communication going on, you know, both ways. Um, and again, I know a lot of that is because of time stipulation, just uh-huh. here's a day old calf, write me a check, right? We're going to make a contract for six months. That's great. And off we go. But I, I think longer term, as, as again, back to that kind of continuous loop system, and we make these, the system better and better and better, those calves are increasingly going to have value. Not that they don't today, but they're going to become even more valuable down the road because they're going to fit very specific segments. It's they're consistent. They're repeatable. We can manage risk around them. We know exactly what we're getting. And it's worth it kind of investing some time to understand all the pitfalls that may happen so that you kind of, you prepare and take full advantage of that. And, and you know, I, I talk a lot about that, you know, it was pretty, it was relatively easy last year as a dairy. You can make some money and, and but that's not true this year, right? Milk prices are really tough, right? But all of a sudden you've got this calf that has value. And there's going to be years, and probably this is one like that, where that calf is your profit center. And it's important to make sure you maximize the value of that animal. But the only way to do that is make sure you get them managed correctly and that you understand where they go. And you might even want to retain ownership in those part of the way or all the way, depending upon your financial situation. Because um, again, I mean, I, I just think there's Huge opportunities here,
0: definitely. And I guess just before we wrap this up, Neville, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today, just on the on the topic of beef and dairy animals within the supply chain?
1: Well, I, I just I, I think to close and and kind of reiterate. I mean, this is a really exciting time and a, and, and a, a new venture for the industry, um, and it's one that's not going to go away, right? And and mm-hmm. so we need to continue to have conversations in, in our business about making sure we get the right genetics and the right management to maximize potential value.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you, Neville, for joining us today and for sharing your immense knowledge on this this part of the beef supply chain. We really
1: appreciate it. Thank you, Laura.
0: This was another episode of ST Talks. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes on your favorite podcast platform by searching ST Talks or ST Genetics. And if you want to learn more about ST Genetics, visit our website at stgen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And from all of us at ST Genetics, we hope you have a great day.